Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. Singapore is looking to have its emissions reach net zero by around 2050. So that means we have to stop polluting the earth with fossil fuels, doesn't it? With that, though, serious considerations are being made around how we can improve gas-fired power generation, especially with natural gas currently fueling 95% of the nation's energy. In particular, while the hydrogen ammonia economy is on the horizon, there are many differences between natural gas and hydrogen that must be taken into account of course. So what are the infrastructural changes and initiatives needed to improve the efficiency of gas-fired power generation? And how can power generation companies play a larger role in spearheading newer, more sustainable tech for all of us? We're joined now by Kazunari Fukui, decarbonization leader for Asia at GE Power. Hi, Kaz. Hey, good evening. Thanks for joining me today. So, first of all, let's talk about how emissions intensity of natural gas generation tech can be further improved upon. Certainly. And first of all, thank you very much for having us on this prime time program. And uh, here at the, uh, we continue to work on the technology development uh, on the emission from the gas turbines. Right? Uh, there are a number of things that we're doing. Number of things. Uh, number one thing is uh, investing on the existing installed base to improve the efficiency of existing unit. That's number one. Number two is improving, uh, in investing in the new gas turbines to achieve better efficiency. So all the new gas turbines being installed, more advanced and then higher efficiency units to reduce the emission. And number three, most importantly, is to get pathway to get to zero emissions with gas turbine technologies. So this includes the developments in hydrogen technologies and also carbon capture technologies, which enables these gas turbine units to get to net zero position in the future. Here's the thing, though. There's been a lot of talk about alternative sources of power, right? So we're talking about things like hydrogen, ammonia, which is something I mentioned earlier, uh, renewable sources. We have to note that Singapore has just uh, started to look more deeply into this and will start importing renewable energy from countries such as Laos. So where really do you see all of this going? No, certainly. And I think Singapore, like any other countries without own natural resources, uh, certainly has a challenge, right? And then we believe that uh, the plan to continue to use the natural gas as well as the import renewable power and so on uh, makes perfect sense when you're looking for dependable power. Uh, but as you mentioned, uh, how do we then get to the net zero position using alternative fuels and so on? And that's when the uh, technologies such as hydrogen, uh, potentially ammonia being discussed in the industry as well, and then also carbon capture technology becomes very important. Right? And uh, this won't be uh, just a Singapore play only. This is a global issue which are, our companies are targeting, uh, and they eventually these technologies to be implemented in Singapore as well. So what role can power generation companies such as yours play in this acceleration? Certainly. So companies like ourselves, uh, we continue to invest in technology to provide potential options in the industry right, for our policymakers and for customers. And uh, we believe GE, in that sense, is a very uniquely positioned uh, with a portfolio of technology spanning from renewables, gas-fired power, nuclear, grid, digital technologies. So we have a whole span of technologies to look at the holistic solutions for energy industry. And in that way, we have no vested interest in one technology. And I can think of a country agenda together with the uh, policymakers along the way. Right? So that's uh, how we see uh, our role to play in this industry. Now, nuclear energy, which was once deemed unsuitable for Singapore, has been identified as a potential power source by 2050. And this was in a recent report commissioned by the Energy Market Authority. Where do you see this going? 
certainly. I think every country is struggling with this dilemma on the nuclear, right? And then you've seen the cases in Japan, in Korea, Taiwan, in this region. And then Singapore certainly is uh, struggling with the case. And then certainly it is a mixture of potential solutions available for the country. And as you mentioned, if you look at the Energy Market Authority report, it's very interesting. Certain scenario contains nuclear, um, but the interesting case is that no matter which way you look at the gas technology, whether it's 10% or just over 50%, depending on the scenario, still requires there. So we believe ultimately it depends on the portfolio of solutions with mixture of import power, small renewables, gas technology, and it may potentially be nuclear, as you mentioned as well. Now, I know that you do focus on hydrogen, but isolating hydrogen involves processes that actually produce carbon dioxide, other greenhouse gases as well. Hydrogen, of course, can also be made from water uh, using electrolysis, but that requires electrical energy, which might still involve burning fossil fuels. So how can this be made much more friendlier as we move forward? Certainly a brilliant question, and that's exactly the challenge the industry facing today. And as you mentioned, uh, to generate hydrogen from the uh, methane uh, will naturally produce the carbon dioxide on site as well. So that has to be captured along the uh, generation process of the hydrogen. Now, the Nirvana will be using the renewable power to generate hydrogen from water. Uh, that's uh, um, what people are pursuing for in many of the areas as well. But the uh, situation today is, of course, the, uh, the economics is uh, not working. Right? So the number one, infrastructure has to be there. Number two, the economics has to work. So eventually the scale and technology development will drive the, the economics to work. And that's how we're driving that space uh, forward. Buddy. Right. So give us more details on that process. I mean, you have touched on it briefly here and there, but more details on what the roadmap really is. Yeah, so I think there won't be any one solution fit all for the uh, hydrogen uh, technology or hydrogen generation. There is uh, people who is experimenting today with uh, uh, emissions from industrial processes, uh, people developing from the methane, people developing from the, uh, the electricity of the water, as you mentioned. Now, important thing to remember is that as much as we talk about this hydrogen being new, it has been uh, done. I mean, GE's gas turbine, there's over 100 units operating total of over 8 million hours using hydrogen or similar low-calorific low fuels around the world. So actually, technology is available to utilize these fuels. It's a matter of how do you generate these fuels in a more economical manner at scale with the right infrastructure to enable everyone to use this fuel. What policies, what sorts of incentives or infrastructural changes do you think will be needed on the part of the government, of course, to make all of this competitive and viable? I think you hit a very important point there. And all of these, as the technology develops, uh, won't be supported without the right policy in place. Right? These are all technologies which will cost more for our uh, customers generating uh, companies as well as for our customers, uh, uh, power users as well. So the required certain policies to support. Uh, certain things happening in the U.S., in Europe. Uh, Singapore, great thing is the government is very progressive in terms of thinking about the, uh, uh, putting the CO2 tax in place right, uh, to make sure there's the right support mechanism in place. So that kind of government support is very important there. We need to talk about consumers, Kaz, because I think that's very important. I mean, getting them on board may not be too much of a problem if all of these more renewable energy sources become more accessible. But what about costs? Certainly. And uh, I think, again, the, uh, the, all these technologies include the cost. 
But the one thing uh, you have to remember is that uh, even renewable technology uh, came down very significantly in terms of cost, right? So today, what seems very expensive or inaccessible, eventually with the scale and development technology, uh, which comes down in the future as well, right? And then technology development is very important for uh, skills development and then people development as well. We have a great example in Singapore where we have developed a repair facility, which has been here for over 50 years now. But with the help of EDB and then uh, investment, we bring in 60 million over the next 10 years. We're developing the skills and uh, work for the local people. And now the country is expanding the uh, employees up to 400 people locally here. And then that kind of uh, development, uh, as much as you, uh, we say there's a cost to the consumers and then the taxpayers, also creates uh, extra jobs and work uh, for people and skill development as well. What types of jobs are we talking about? So here, the one that's basically mentioned in Singapore is uh, around uh, our repair facility and also the advanced manufacturing and repair solution center. So these are the areas where uh, team is working to support the, our latest gas turbine, which we call the HA technology, across the regions, across the world, uh, as well as the existing F-class technology, which is uh, predominant in Singapore as well. And then team is developing various repair solutions to make sure the current fleet is operated and uh, in a high efficiency manner as well. All right. Thank you very much for that, Kaz. Kazunari Fukui, decarbonization leader for Asia at GE Power. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.